Cool. Um, thank you also to the adventurers. That was quite the treat, wouldn't you say? Um, a few weeks ago, uh, Selina texted me and she says, hey, I'm the adventure coordinator for the area. Can we talk? And, yeah, of course. Um, and so she, she comes and meets me at the church and she's like, Brandon Carnes? And I'm like, I don't know who you are or how you found me, but please, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, turns out uh, we went to Academy together back in San Diego area, and uh, so it was cool to make that connection. But she, um, she has this vision. I think you heard a little bit up here this morning. She has this vision for an adventure club that, um, that is bigger than one church, that's valley-wide, and that's bigger than one denomination. And as you heard her talking about uh, recruiting kids from the park and stuff, like I, I just love how, how missional and how inclusive she's being with what she's doing. So I definitely, uh, if you've got younger kids and you're interested, definitely do please talk to, talk to her and talk about how we can partner all together um, as a single, uh, as a group of churches and push this forward. Um, one other thing, uh, I think we forgot to mention, but Greek class is canceled today. So if you're planning going to the Greek class, class this afternoon, um, that is canceled uh, because of the memorial service. Um, hey, Randy. No one told me my boss was going to be here this morning. Hey, Randy, just close your ears for a second. Guys, say really nice things, okay? Um, that'll help me out a lot. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Hey, let's, let's get started with prayer. Lord, thank you for Sabbath. Thank you for this blessing that you have given us, God. And I ask that this morning as we look into what you said so many years ago to the prophet Isaiah, that we be blessed this morning by it, that we be motivated to see Sabbath as a blessing and to see Sabbath as a blessing for others. Um, thank you for your love and your mercy and um, God, I ask that the words spoken this morning not be my own, but be yours, and that um, those listening, that, that you give them the message they need to hear, not the one that I have prepared. Amen. If you'd like to follow along, we are in Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. I'll give you a second to, to get that. Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. And it goes something a little bit like this. I'm reading from the NIV this morning, for most of it. Verse 13. If you keep from desecrating the Sabbath, from doing whatever you want on my holy day, if you call Sabbath a delight, in the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, seeking your own pleasure, or talking too much, then you will delight yourself in the Lord, and I will make you ride over the heights of the land and let you enjoy the heritage of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken." So most of you know, we are currently in the middle of a series on Sabbath. And um, check out, once again, check out the study guides online. Um, 
But I was really excited to get this text. This is by far my, my favorite text on the Sabbath. I've preached over this several times, and every time I look at it, I feel like the meaning gets deeper. And, and this time as I was going through, I feel like my mind kind of exploded because I felt like so many new wonderful things came to my mind. And I'm really, really excited to share with you. Um, the first thing that pops out at me, and that like, I think that the line that everybody kind of grabs out of this one, is make Sabbath a delight. Make Sabbath a delight. Um, I grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist church, and I would say that my parents did a really good job, actually, making Sabbath a special day. Um, unfortunately, not, not everybody gets that experience, but I was blessed to have that um, experience. Now, you know, it wasn't perfect. I remember the occasional day where we, you know, had to nap on Sabbath or whatever. It happens. Um, I get that. But I remember, I remember waking up. I remember Friday night rolling around, and we had, uh, my parents would have what we called special time. I know, not original answer, but what, or original title, but that's okay. Um, we call it special time. And special time was um, every Friday night we had dessert, and we never had, not to say we never got sweets, but we never had, like, dessert, like a formal dessert. And it didn't matter what it was. Like, I could have been eating candy all week long, but, like, even if we went to, like, the, um, the gas station and picked up some candy bars on Friday to have for special time on Friday night, I'll tell you what, that Butterfinger tasted so much better than the Butterfingers that I had all week long. Why? Because it was, just, it was just part of our tradition. It was a wonderful thing. We all sat around, and we ate our dessert. It was special time. Um, and then we, we would get up, uh, you know, Sabbath morning, and we'd all get dressed in our, in our fancy outfits, and we'd show up to church. And there was like, we, I grew up in a really good church. There was like a buzz, you know, like people were excited to be there. And people would show up, and like there were kids running around. I remember, uh, I probably shouldn't share this as a suggestion, but we had this huge, huge narthex. And um, me and some friends would make it a goal to race through the hundreds of people and through the legs of people to see who could get from one side to the other. And like we'd be like diving around people and diving through legs, and it was so much fun. Like, we had a great time, and then there was always good food on Sabbath afternoon, whether we were going over to somebody's house or had potluck. I even remember my favorite dishes from potluck. Um, and then a lot of times afterwards, we would go out from friends. We would go bike riding or hiking. Uh, I remember, man, I, I just Sabbath was a, a great, great day for me. I loved Sabbath, and that is something that has uh, really served me well for my life, and, and I, I think, um, I, and, and when, when we got a bit older, oh, I remember this, when we got a bit older, and I moved to San Diego area, um, we discovered that after church, everyone, um, at least everyone my age, would, would go to the beach, and I, I, I think that most of you probably know what's coming. My parents are like, okay, we're going to go to the beach, and we all went to the beach, and all my friends ran out into the waves, or at least my new potential friends, because we were new there, and my parents were like, okay, kids, you're going to sit down, and you're going to watch the waves and enjoy God's nature, and we're sitting there, and we're like, this stinks. Like, this, that was not fun at all, and like, you know, how, how things go, like, okay, I guess you guys can play in the sand. Okay, okay, we'll play in the sand, 
And then like we, we kind of inch a little bit closer to the water and like, you know, like that, that sand that's wet, it's like it's not, and you can do like drizzle castles. We're doing drizzle castles. And then, you know, like, of course, in the process, you get a little bit wet and it's like, okay, it's, it's okay if you get wet up to your ankles. Um, so we get wet and eventually we would accidentally fall in. Um, and, you know, I think my parents realized really quickly after that that this is not worth ruining clothes over a game. Um, that we play of like what we're allowed to do on Sabbath. And so we would go, and I think my parents did a really good job again of being like, you know what, let's, let's make Sabbath a delight. Yeah, let's go. Let's play in the waves. Let's have worship on the beach afterwards. It was a wonderful thing. And, and again, like I just want to circle back to this idea that growing up for me, Sabbath was a very positive time. It was a time where, honestly, like my parents worked hard during the week. A lot of times we didn't get time with them at least really quality time. I mean, for you guys that are parents, you'll, I think you'll understand. Like, there's time and there's quality time. Like, you know, like, there's time where I'm working and it's like, you guys go play, but there's like quality time where it's like, I'm focused on like what's going on. Like, we are present. We're here. Like, that was Sabbath to me. That was the time where we had together. It was a time where I got to build relationships. It's a wonderful thing. And when I think I talk to Sabbath about other Christians, a lot of times they'll be like, oh, you're Seventh-day Adventist. Yeah. Oh, that means you guys keep Sabbath. And I've never understood that because it seems like it always comes with like this saddling of like an old law that we're meant to keep. Like, oh, like ever, like one day a week we're required to just, oh, Sabbath. And I'm like, why wouldn't you love this? Like, you guys are missing out on a wonderful experience. Like, I've never, I've never understood this. Why would you want to be free of this? There was a time, um, there was a time that I went to work for a company, and I, I can go more into this later, but long story short, I, I came in, the company said I could have Sabbaths off. I came in, my direct supervisor was angry that I asked for Sabbath offs, and he's like, well, isn't that great for you? Your religion dictates that you have a weekly holiday. And I'm like, exactly, you should join us. Um, it's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think he appreciated that. Um, but I, I seriously, I said that, and I, I was really hoping, like, this is a great thing. Like, why would you want to do this? It's like, almost like if you're, if you're, um, if you've got a religion, then you're, you're supposed to be really, like, it shouldn't be any fun at all. <laughs> and I'm like, Sabbath is fun for me. It's wonderful. I love Sabbath. Why wouldn't you want to do it? Go ahead. It's wonderful. Um, but, you know, Sabbath, I think all of us understand that. Like, it always hasn't, it hasn't always been a joy to everybody. And it's really sad for me that it hasn't. You know, you look at, you look at the Bible times, you had the Pharisees, and they had these, like, long lists of rules and things that you weren't allowed to do, and it's just, they're so thoroughly focused on, like, the rules that nobody could, nobody could have a really a good time. Nobody, there wasn't a blessing anymore. I was told by one lady when I was, I was out at the seminary, speaking of the water thing, um, I, I, I have not confirmed this story. So if those of you come back and tell me I'm wrong, like, please do so, so I don't tell it again. Um, but, like, I was told a story by this lady that went to Andrews a long, long, long time ago. She was about my parents' age. And she talks about how she was working at the dairy. And at the dairy farm there, you have to, apparently, according to her, like, you have to milk the cows every day. It's just physiologically they have to be milked. And so 
you know, early Sabbath morning, she would get up, she would go down, she would milk the cows. By the time she got back to the dorms, for some reason, somebody thought that it was appropriate to turn off the showers every Sabbath morning because you should have done that before, right? Like, that's your Friday night activity. And so she would come back being covered with, like, cow feces, and no showers were available, and she would kind of, like, dry herself off best she could. And then she would show up to church smelling like the backside of a cow. And she said people would look at her like, didn't you prepare for Sabbath? You know, and she said, like, Sabbath was a real challenge for her because it came with this stigma of, like, you're not allowed to do what you're supposed to do. And it was, and, and so I think yeah, there's definitely been times and instances in the past where we haven't, we haven't treated Sabbath like this. And, 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 and as with anything else, I think as, as just people in general, it's really easy for us to start down this rabbit hole of like, what are we allowed to do and what aren't we allowed to do? And just get so hyper-focused on those two things. Like, what aren't we allowed to do? What? And, and, and eventually what that morphs into is salvation by way of suffering. And this is not a new concept, you know, especially some of the early monks. Like, they would intentionally flog themselves. They would intentionally suffer the most they could because it's this, like, concept of, like, the more I suffer, the more righteous I can be. And I wonder if there's some people out there sometimes that try to push this concept of Sabbath that, like, the more we can suffer, the more righteous and holy we will be. And, and I think that the reason that we do this, there's, there's, a, there's a guy out there named Simon Sinek. I mean, you guys have probably heard of him, a lot of you. Um, but I, I didn't see any hands. Cool. New, new concept for everyone. Um, I saw one. Woo-hoo. Uh, so he, he kind of took the business world by storm, and he presented this concept, which isn't really that deep of a concept, to be honest, but it's one of those things where everyone's like, well, duh, of course, we, why didn't we think about that sooner? But it changes the idea, and his concept is you have to start with the why. He says people, and this is in a business world like in sales industry, right? He says people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. It's a simple idea, super powerful though. Um, He says, when you start with what you have, you have to resort to cheesy, silly, gimmicky, or sales tactics, or even just straight lies. Um, I'm no salesman, but I'm going to give this a try, okay? I'm going to try to sell you, but not really at Sabbath. Um, I'm going to try to sell you this pencil. Are you ready? Okay. I'm going to start with the what first, okay? Here we go. This pencil is, is wood. It's, it's an orange pencil, much like many other pencils you've seen. It has an eraser on the end. It's got a tip. Um, the what, I mean, it writes, it writes stuff down. Um, you know, I, I don't know this for sure, but I get the feeling that this pencil, a special pencil, um, it's got special graphite uh, inside that was made to be uh, super special for some reason, and the color is very unique. Uh, the, the shade of orangish yellow is uh, a much different shade of orange. You get where I'm going with this. Like, it's not easy to sell, like, a pencil for the why. Let, um, the what, rather. Now, let me try to sell this pencil to you 
I mean, was it, I, I'm, I'm sure that none of you were really convinced, like, I want to buy that pencil. Like, $10 for this pencil? Anyone? Anyone? No? Okay. Now, let, let me try this. We live in a world of electronics. It's wonderful. We can get things down. Things live in the cloud. It's wonderful. It's amazing. Um, but every once in a while, have you ever just wanted to feel the feeling of a pencil gliding across paper? I mean, do you guys remember that sensation? Like, think back to your past. Think about, like, elementary school. You know, like, do you guys remember the smell of a pencil? Like, of sharpening a pencil? Do you guys remember, like, those marks that it leaves on your hand, right? And, like, you, you, get, you get this feeling. I can feel the paper underneath your, your, uh, your paper. Like, it's a feeling. It's a sensation. It's wonderful. Have you guys ever gotten, like, I'm sure you've gotten text from a loved one. I'm sure you've gotten a note. You should have gotten an email. Like, that's always special to hear from somebody. But have you ever, like, recently, have you recently gone out to the mailbox and opened the mailbox and pulled out a letter that you know is not like a mass printed letter. You know, it's got like a different size to it. It's got handwriting on it. Like it's got those marks that the post office always leaves. I don't know if there's like, I don't, I don't know why it always comes out dirty, but it does. Like it's got those, and then you open it, right? And you can like smell, you can like smell Aunt Gertrude or whoever it is, like your mom or your brother or your whoever it is like you can smell them and you pull out this paper and you can feel it it's tangible and and on this paper you see writing and like maybe if it's coming from your grown child like your uh the kid that you raised you can remember teaching them with a pencil to write the letter a and you can remember that they always had this weird little tick. They always had this weird little curve that they put on the A. Or the, like, the, and, and, and the, the, the curve was always this weird kind of oval shape that was tilted a little bit. And you see that there. And it brings back the memories of teaching them how to write. And you're holding this paper, and you know that they sent it from across the country. And they sat down at a table, and they took the time to pull out a paper, and they took the time to pull out a pencil and to write. There's something so personal about a handwritten letter, isn't there? Oh, man, this, this can do that. See the difference? I mean, I kind of want this pencil now. I, I stole it from Pastor Brian's office. I'm going to take it home. Um, see the difference? Like, this is why we do this. This instrument, like, Sitting down writing something can, like, something as simple as a pencil can pull at your heartstrings. This is why I recommend that you use a pencil. See the difference? You start with the why. Now I think about the times we talk about Sabbath. The times we talk about Sabbath in our lives, what do we do? Do we start with the why? Or do we start with the what? I think about maybe even not when we're talking to other people. Maybe about when I get up on Sabbath morning. Am I starting with the why or am I starting with the what? Am I starting with, I can't do this. I can't watch my sports. I can't watch TV. I can't play my games. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't work on it. I can't do all these things. Like, that's the what, right? But the why, think about if we started in and woke up and said, today I worship my Jesus. Man, what a difference that would make. I mean, I think about, and this, the, this is like such a major theme all the way throughout the Bible. 
Um, I think about Peter. We were talking about this in class last week with my students. Like, we're talking about Peter stepping out of the boat, right? And, like, he's looking at Jesus. He's looking at Jesus, and his feet steps, and he doesn't sink. And Jesus is his why. He's like, I am here for Jesus. But the second he started thinking about the what, right? Like, he started looking at his problems. He started facing his fears. Like, these are the things that matter, not the why, but the what. And he starts sinking. And Jesus is like, bring your eyes back up here. I'm right here. I'm the why. Don't look at the what. I look at this text. Let's take a look, to d- deeper look at this, this Isaiah 58 text that we just read. And there's something that I feel like I'm really excited that I found. So let's just break it down. He says, what should we not do in this text? He says, don't desecrate the Sabbath by doing what you want. Don't go your own ways. Don't do your own thing. Don't talk too much. I just want to give you a uh, little disclaimer here. If you're married to a talker, don't bring this verse up. It won't go well. Husband, let me have peace. It's Sabbath. Isaiah says so. (laughs) But here are the things that we should do. Call Sabbath a delight and call it honorable. I mean, that's kind of weird, isn't it? Because it's giving you a bunch of things that we shouldn't do, and then it gives you a few things that we should do. It's not a lot to go on. But I want, I, I want to point out here that in the same breath, it says, don't do what you want and call Sabbath a delight. And that's kind of weird for us right now, isn't it? Because calling something a delight is doing what I want, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of the world that we live in. And, and I think we have to start, start I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but like, we have to start by reframing what we call a delight. That's what Jesus is asking us to do. We live in a time where happiness is the highest virtue you can possibly have. Happiness at all costs, right? Um, I was talking to a friend this week that uh, was upset because she says she's been so busy. She left her, uh, lost her grandma a few weeks ago. Somebody deeply meaningful to her. And she says she hasn't been able to grieve. And that was an interesting statement. I haven't been able to grieve. Most people try desperately not to grieve, don't they? We try to push away this feeling of sadness and, man, someday I'll just get over this. Well, maybe we're not supposed to. Maybe this grieving process is, is, is here for a reason. Maybe we're supposed to be sad. We avoid grief and pain, and, 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 and I think sometimes we avoid grief and pain to such a degree that we lose the blessing that comes from going through that. There is a blessing at the end of pain. There is a blessing at the end of grief. There is a blessing at the end of struggle. There is worthwhile, like there is something worthwhile in the struggle. Doing what we need is so rarely what we want, though, isn't it? I mean, like, I, I, I had this a, few, a couple years ago. I, I came to the conclusion in a, in a rather unpleasant way that um, I am no longer allowed to just, like, rest on my youth to be, you know, healthy. 
I have to start actually intentionally being healthy, which is not something that I have ever done in my life. And um, so I started swimming, and I started swimming laps. And uh, I had this goal um, that I was going to swim the length of the English Channel in less than six months. I got it in three. Boom! Um, but, you know, when I started off, it was, an, it was an awful experience. I'd, like, swim a couple of laps and just, like, uh, I'd get out of the pool and, like, you know, like, about to pass out. And um, I came home, and my wife, who was a bit of an uh, exercise nut, was like, hey, honey, like, she's so proud of me. She's like, hey, honey, uh, did you have a good time? And I'm like, what? I was just at the gym. You know where I was at. Why would you ask if I had a good time? Of course I didn't have a good time. Nobody has a good time at the gym. I don't go there because it's fun. I guess some people do, but they're weirdos. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I go there because I have a purpose. Um, not because I had fun. Or like, you get kind of this vibe of like, you know, you know that you should be eating more raw veggies. But I would rather have butter-laden fettuccine that's going to test the resilience of my heart. (laughs) You know, like, what I want to do is rarely what I should do. But Isaiah, I I get sidetracked. Like, Isaiah is far more than verse 13 or 14. And I think this is is the piece that I see first of all that I'm really excited about. Um, I've always just kind of seen, like, when you look at Isaiah 58, you're going through, and it's talking about fasting. Fasting, 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 fasting. And then there's a break there. And then it talks about Sabbath. And I'm like, not talking about fasting. Cut all that out. But let's go to Sabbath. But the more I looked at this, I'm like, I see connections here. I think this was all part of the same thought process. And for the first time, I I started looking at Sabbath as a fast. And, and I, I feel like that just broke open wide things for me. I mean, um, one of the things that's really interesting, this is not in the Bible, um, but it's, it's tradition, that you're not supposed to fast on Sabbath because Sabbath is a day of celebration, um, which I love it because, like, we're like, you're fasting on Sabbath. Like, this is a celebratory fast. This isn't like a, a sad fast. This is a celebration. We're going to fast for celebration. But I was just thinking about fasting this week, and a scenario came to my head as a pastor that really kind of struck me hard. And I, I imagine sitting across the desk from somebody that's struggling financially, like really struggling financially. And they say, you know what, Pastor Brandon, I have just enough money to feed myself every day, and that's it. I have nothing extra at all. And I I imagine looking at this person in the face and having the audacity to say, but you must give. I don't think I could bring myself to do that. I mean, like, how do you tell somebody that's barely surviving, you must give? But that's exactly what God did. He says, if you don't have enough food to feed more than yourself, then I want you to take a day and just not eat. And I want you to take that and give it to somebody else because this is that important to me. That's heavy. That is heavy. 
helping other people is not an option to God. It is not an option. If you are a God follower, you must help. I want to go back to Isaiah verses uh, uh, 2 and 3. I'm going to read it, uh, 58, 2 and 3. Uh, I'm going to read this from the Holman Christian Standard Version. He says, and we're just going to read through this uh, a little bit. They seek me day after day. And he's talking, he's telling, he's telling his prophet, um, I want you to yell this. The, just before this, he says, I want you to yell this in the loudest way possible. Get my people's attention, okay? So this is not just like some side note. This is God saying like, this is a message that my people need to hear. They seek me, and he's talking about his people God says, they seek me day after day. They delight to know my ways. This all sounds really good. Like a nation that does what is right. Like a nation that does not abandon the justice of their God. They ask me for for righteous judgments. They delight in the nearness of God. Wouldn't you say like we should be delighting in the nearness of God? And yet they say, we have fasted. Why, God, have you not seen? We have denied ourselves, but God, you have not noticed. They seek God. They delight to know about God. They delight in God's nearness, and God abandons them. He abandons them. This is a hard, hard verse, because this goes basically against everything that i I, I really, in like, like my deepest core, at least at a surface level, like this goes against everything I believe about God in my core. I'm constantly telling people, you just seek God. Like he wants to get to know you. He wants to be with you. All that's needed in this relationship is desire and acceptance on your part. And here's a group of people that are they're, they're going after, they're seeking God because they delight in God, and yet God abandons them. This is hard. This is not something easy. I've struggled with trying to figure this out for a little while. And something came to my mind um, as I was contemplating this. I was told early in my ministry as somebody that works with children, if you want a best friend, if you want somebody in your corner, if you really, really want somebody, here's how you do it. You guys want to know? This is the part where you all say yes. Okay, thank you. Um, you be good to their kids. That's all you need. You be good to their kids. There was this lady at Placerville back there that I, I knew, and there was this, she was this super old, uh, older woman. She was hunched over, and she just, she couldn't talk very loudly, and I had never seen her before, and there was one day where she comes up to me. I, I had just preached, and she grabs me by my collar with a strength that no one, no one that size should have. <laughs> And she pulls me down, and I'm like, I am in trouble. (laughs) And she says, you don't know who I am, but you introduced my grandson to Jesus. And I will do anything for you. Whatever you need, whatever you want, if it is within my power, you will have it for me because you introduced my grandson to Jesus. Man, it just gives me chills thinking about it. You take care of somebody that they desperately love, and you've got, a, you've got an ally for life. I think about the opposite, too. Like, even within my own home, 
I've got three kids. I love them all dearly. But, I mean, you could go ahead and ask, ask them straight off the bat, like, what is the single best way to, like, rise the wrath of Brandon, right? Like, like, like nothing gets me quite like this. And that, the answer to that is when I see one of my kids, especially one of the older ones, mistreating one of my younger ones. Something wells up inside of me. I think you parents probably understand this, right? Like, I love all of my kids, but that moment when, when like, Orion, and this doesn't happen a lot. I don't want you to think that he's a bad kid. He's a great kid, but, you know, they're kids. Um, like, when Orion, like, makes Jaden cry, Orion is my enemy because I'm going to step in with all of my power to protect the innocent in my family. Do you guys understand that as parents? Like, for those of you that are parents, you get that, right? Like, and there's something that comes up, and I'm just like, protect him. And I see God doing this, right? Like, God is like, I love these people. You are not allowed to mistreat them. If you mistreat my people, even the ones that are sinners still, you are my enemy. If anything, this should show the desperate love of God for people is that he becomes defensive of the helpless. Isn't that amazing? And to the point where he says, if you call, myself my, if you call yourself mine and you mistreat someone, you have found yourself on the wrong side of my favor. That's incredible to me. So let's start back up in verse 3, Isaiah 58, verse 3. And I'm going to read from the message because this is, I just love the way that it phrases this. The bottom line on your fasting days is profit. Here's where the kicker comes in. You drive your employees too hard. You fast, but at the same time, you bicker and you fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. The kind of fasting you do don't, won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think this is the kind of fasting day that I'm after? A day just to show off your humility? To put on a pious long face and parade around solemnly in black? You call that fasting? No. A fast day that I, God, would like? This is the kind of fasting day that I'm after. Break the chains of injustice. Get rid of exploitation in your workplaces. Free the oppressed. Cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is you sharing your food with hungry people, inviting homeless people into your homes, putting clothes on shivering naked people in the streets, being available to your own families. Do this and your lights will turn on and your lives will turn around. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passages. And then, and then when you do this, you will pray and God will answer. Amen? You will call out for help and I will say, here I am. This, this is the lead up to Sabbath. And I think that if we see Sabbath in light of what we just read, it makes Sabbath a lot less about what we don't do and more about what we set out to do, doesn't it? We are, 
I mean, we are really good at being selfish. And I'm not just talking about, like, we, like, just humanity in general, we're really good at being selfish. We make everything all about us, don't we? But what the Bible is saying here is your fasting, your Sabbath, it's, your goal should be to bless other people. Break the chains of sin and suffering. So how can your Sabbath bless others? How can your Sabbath bless others? Um, at my last church, I, I, for a little while, I had a group of middle school kids I worked with. And some of you may, may disagree with the way that I handled um, this. And that's okay. Let's, let's welcome conversation. But um, we were talking about what we wanted to do. We wanted to have some kind of outing. And I said, hey, I really want to do something with you guys. Let's talk about the needs. Like, let's do missions on Sabbath. Let's bless somebody else. Where are some of the needs? And it came out that we had a lot of people that, that um, older people that were physically unable to do yard work like they used to. And these are all the same people that um, had a very limited income. They didn't have a lot of money. They couldn't really hire somebody to come in. And so, you know, when you've got physical constraints, just a small job of picking weeds becomes a huge deal. Like weeks, months of going out there and just like doing a little bit at a time and coming back inside feeling horrible. And so like I had these, I had this group of people in my church here that, that physically could not do what needed to be done in their homes. And then I had this group of middle school students that are like buzzing, right? Like, I got so much energy. It's like we've got, you know, uh, caffeine running through our veins all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, I've got workers. Let's go bless somebody. And so I called up uh, a lady that ran our, our ministries for uh, elderly, and I said, this is what I want to do. And she's like, you're, they're not going to like that. I said, why? She says, because you're working on Sabbath. And I said, but we want to bless them on Sabbath. And she says, well, here's some names. You know, see, see what can happen. And so I did. I went ahead and I called up these people. Sure enough, every single one was like, ah, you know, Pastor, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm comfortable with people doing yard work at my house on Sabbath. And I said, well, you know, and we talked a little bit about it. And uh, eventually uh, we, I got a list of people that said, yeah, you could come by. And so we would show up, and like that day was a hot day. I took the top off the Jeep, piled all, my, all the kids in the car, in the Jeep, and we were driving around. It was a lot of fun. So we pull up, and like they jump out of the car like, wah, like middle school students do sometimes. And, uh, and you know, the, the, um, the people, the shut-ins that we were visiting were like on their porch like, like that's a lot of energy. And I was like, Guys, let's get to work. And in like 15 minutes, man, we did a like, couple months worth of work for them. Just like, we knocked that sucker out. No problem. And then we would go inside and we'd sit down and we'd have lemonade with them and we'd talk, get, share stories and have a good time because, you know, they had just been outside. They had worked out a little bit of their energy. And um, like, we blessed people that day. And those kids, these are kids that like probably would have gone home and played video games. Like, which is better, right? Like blessing somebody or just keeping to yourself? I, 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 so anyways, there was, at the end of one of them, there was a guy that came up to me that was like really hesitant to do this, but he came up to me and says, I see what you're doing. Thank you for showing our kids how to serve on Sabbath. This is, this is going to bless me for, for months on end. This means so much to me. Thank you. 
So what's the deal with this? It's easy to feel like we don't have enough to give, doesn't it? It doesn't ha matter how much you have, it's always easy to feel like you don't have enough. I don't have enough money, I don't have enough time. But if we look at Sabbath as a fast, suddenly you have 24 hours. You have 24 hours to give. You have the time. Maybe you don't have the resources. Maybe you don't have the skills. Well, guess what? We have a community with people with skills. Go find somebody. Like, bless other people. Sabbath is your new resource to bless your community. If you keep from desecrating my Sabbath, from doing whatever you want on my holy day, if you call Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, what's the deal here? Do your own thing, Sabbath a delight? Sabbath is the day where we align our desires with God's delights. Where we align our desires. What I want to do is rarely what God wants me to do, but what God what God delights in is people. What God delights in is the breaking of chains, of sin. And Sabbath is our day to focus down on that and say, we will delight in helping. We will delight in breaking chains. So I want to ask you again, what are the chains? What chains are God asking you to break? Whose suffering are you meant to relieve? What sins in your life or others are being called to break out of? How can you use Sabbath to make that dream happen? My dream is that people see us and they don't say like, oh, you guys are the Sabbath people that like don't do anything on Sabbath. My dream is people say, wow, you guys are a people that spend one whole day a week to change the world around you. Wouldn't that be amazing? Sabbath is our strength. Sabbath is our superpower. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us a day, both a day to rest, but God, a day where you say, I want you to be going out there and showing the world who I am by breaking people out of the chains that they suffer from. God, may you come into our hearts in a powerful way. May you show us the oppression that it's our job to break people out of. Enable us. Give us the skills. Give us the resources. Give us, well, you've given us the time. Thank you for that. I want to ask a blessing over every single person that's here as well as watching and that you motivate all of us to fulfill your will, to be your hands and feet in this world to delight in helping people. Amen.